0: Hello, and welcome to Sights & Sirens Back to Basic Podcast. My name is Dr. Christopher Sights. I'm an emergency physician, and I'm here with my brother, Jason Sights, who is a firefighter, paramedic, and RN. Together, we run Sights & Sirens, an emergency preparedness training company. Sights & Sirens is a National American Heart Association training center and EMS training company that specializes in NREMT exam prep. Our Back to Basics podcast was created to make what are sometimes complex medical topics easy to understand and retain for students of emergency care. Please like and follow us on your favorite podcast streaming service, as well as on Facebook and Instagram. Thank you for joining us. I guess I just didn't realize that if the rainbow is an entire circle, technically, I heard, and you only see half of it, there can't be a pot of gold at the
1: end. Well, maybe the real pot of gold is the friends that you make along the way. On uh, the, way, the way of what? This a pot of gold. Oh, all right. I mean, I guess. It's sure. An adventure. Mm-hmm. I think that's what it's about. I okay. think that's the lesson that we learn from Lucky Charms. <laughs> all right. <laughs> well, hello and welcome to the Sights and Sirens Back to Basic podcast, uh, where my brother and ER physician, Chris, and me, Jason, a uh, firefighter paramedic and RN, talk about complicated medical issues that don't have to be so complicated. We bring them, bring them back to basics and help you apply them in your job. In your life. In your religion. <laughs>
0: <What>? <laughs> you so why don't you tell us about our sponsors? All right. Well, today's sponsor is American CME. Uh, American CME is a company that does uh, free and CAPS accredited uh, CEUs for EMS. So actually, these lectures that we do, or these podcasts, excuse me, that we do um, next month. So all the podcasts that we do this month... Next month, will be uploaded to American CME for you to watch there, take a short quiz, and you can get CME credits for it. Awesome. So, also, we have the capability of doing nursing credits as well. Uh, So, if you are a nurse and listening to our podcast, then shoot us an email at training at SightsAndSirens.com, and and we can get you some nursing credits also. Cool. Yeah. What are we talking about today? Today, we are going to talk about um, disaster triage. Nice. Yes. So this is something that I've always kind of had a passion for disasters. <laughs> that sounds <laughs> so really. So you're a medical media. No, no <laughs> not, not like not causing them. No, no. I've always had a passion for uh, mass casualty and disaster preparedness and things like that.
1: Like you said, preparedness it sounds a lot.
0: More it sounds better. Kosher. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. So um, I actually had the privilege of going down uh, to Anniston, Alabama. And doing some mass casualty training down there, uh, which is really cool, super awesome. Um, So something that's kind of that I have had a big interest in. And one of the things that always comes up when it comes to disaster preparedness, uh, emergency response in mass casualties is triage. Okay, and it's supposed to be super simple and we'll go over it, but it's just so hard. And that's kind of what I want to talk about today. So I want to talk about uh, the nuances of triage when it comes to disaster medicine, mass casualty events. But I really want to kind of talk more and discuss like how hard it is and can be for us to transition to that type of triage, because it's so different than the type of triage we do on a daily basis as EMS and emergency providers. Right, right. Right. so, the first thing I want to do is I want to kind of define some terms, okay? And this is one thing that I don't think that we uh, – we always like to define terms in this podcast. I think it helps with, you know, when we go back to basics and that sort of thing, is understanding what we're actually talking about. So much in medicine, different uh, terms are used to mean multiple things. Mm-hmm. And I think we do a really bad job sometimes of defining what we mean when we're talking about something. So, we're going to try to try to not do that today. In so, my
1: experience, you use the fanciest word that no one knows the meaning of. Okay. Then you just look smart. You can't be wrong. Self edify and <laughs> yeah. confuse everybody else. And then in that way, you have power over them. OK,
0: well, we'll talk about that later. But
1: I really enjoy being in an education. And you yeah, know.
0: apparently. So all right. So a couple of things we're going to talk about. So the definition of what is a mass casualty incident. So a mass casualty incident is any event that produces multiple casualties by definition. So when you have a car accident and three people are injured, that's technically by definition, a mass casualty incident. Now, when we say mass casualty incident, though, we're typically, I think, talking about how we define disaster. Yeah. And
1: I think in my experience mm-hmm. in the field, we we sort of define a mass casualty or a disaster as something not that necessary has multiple victims, but something that overwhelms our Our system that's in place, right? Our local system that's in place. And that's
0: actually the definition of disaster. So a disaster is any event that overwhelms the capabilities of local emergency response systems and facilities. So that's like so when we talk about we talk about MCIs and mass casualty events and, and incidents. Uh, that's usually what we actually mean. Mm-hmm. Right. So because technically a mass casualty incident can be anything where there's more than one or two people involved, which is not really what we mean. Typically, in emergency care, when we say MCI, when we say MCI, we're thinking about disaster. We're, we're thinking
1: like, of like 9-11. But here's the thing is like we think about 9-11. We think about Sandy Hook. We think about like these like major things that are, you know, once in a career, once in a lifetime, pretty, pretty rare instances. But the, the triage techniques that we talk about today really should be being applied in the smaller incidents too and I think sometimes we chalk it up to well I'd only use this if there's a 911 in my town you know what I mean or something like that but mm-hmm. no realistically you can use this on a on a bus accident when you've only got one ambulance that responded because you're you're overtaxed now yeah. let's set up the same system it, it does work on a small scale too and that's
0: what makes it a good system. Right. You know? Exactly. So we're going to talk about start triage and jumpstart triage today. And if you're not familiar with those, we're going to break it down for you. Um, but these are set up to be able to be used in any incident. So, again, any incident that overwhelms the capabilities of local emergency, uh the, the local emergency response system or local facilities really should be. Anytime that kind of event occurs, we should be shifting our mindset a little bit as emergency providers to this more MCI disaster triage type system. But that's really, really hard to do. That is not what we're trained to do. On paper, it's very simple. Like we'll go over start triage and jumpstart triage. And it's like, oh, yeah, very straightforward. Check the boxes. But when you put yourself in that kind of situation, changing your mentality to do the most good for the most amount of people versus trying to help everyone it's just not something that we're we're good at doing.
1: Yeah, you know, I I've heard it said. You know, we, we go from mitigating risk to minimizing loss, mm-hmm. and we are not we don't have the personalities to just minimize loss and do it that way, right? We we want to mitigate the risk. We want to like handle the problem and solve everything, and everyone's good to go. And in these situations, it's just not realistic. And I think that's even tougher on a local scale, right? Because right. it isn't this huge. You know, 9 like Sandy Hook, like tragedy. It's not this massive tragedy that, of course, of course, we can't do everything. It's something on a local scale where it's four or five patients and now I'm making decisions. It's, it's just four or five patients Like we should be able to handle it. But we can't because, you know, I'm in a rural department or, you know, I don't have that many ambulances available. And now I have to shift this mentality and it's it can be heartbreaking.
0: You yeah, know? absolutely. And I think and, and that's the thing is that we I think that if we stop, actually think about it. We are probably in our EMS facilities in and and this is a this is a tragedy in and of itself and a whole different conversation. But in our hospitals, in our EMS agencies, in our fire departments, in our municipalities, we are probably only a couple patients away from being overwhelmed on every call. Right. Right. I mean, we just don't unfortunately have a lot of places don't have the resources or the personnel or even the support system from other communities to be able to. Maybe respond that the way they would like to not only I said, I want to I want to focus on is the triage component here as as EMS and emergency personnel. How do we switch our focus in triage, which is a huge change than our day to day? But also so many other things you got to think about, you know, not only, you know, personnel, transportation. You know, from a hospital standpoint, if you if your ER is full on a daily basis, and there's a mass casualty event, there's a you know Boston Marathon body, you got to clear patients out of there, right? Be able to be able to get more in. So, what's your plan for that? What's your plan for that? What's your plan for for opening up OR rooms for people who need surgeries? What's your plan for getting more surgeons in? What's your There's a lot. This is a challenge in education. I think is that
1: you can't be prepared for every inevitability or every possibility, right? Mm-hmm. Like you, you, you can't do that. Like when I was a, a, a younger fireman and, and new to the game, like I would constantly be like, what's our protocol for this? Like, what do we do if this happens? What? And like, finally, I remember my captain was like, you can't, like, we don't have a policy for that. Like we don't have a policy, Jason, for like if a plane hits the fire station, like you, you, you want like a, you want this list of what we're going to do in all these situations. What we do have that I came to realize is, you know, Procedures and stand, standard operating procedures that mm. we can apply, you know, to, to more broad situations and then handle the nuances as we come, right? Like you guys didn't see that coming with the whole, we didn't have enough people to staff that. But like when it comes to triage, start triage, jump triage, that's why it's so simple. And that's mm-hmm. why it's so malleable is it's, this works in all kinds of situations, here are considerations you need to consider too, like rescue and how big the incident is and transportation and logistics. Like we'll have to think of those things, but in terms of education and making a plan, we have to have it be broad enough that it can handle almost anything, but Mm -hmm. specific Mm -hmm. enough that, you know, it it can handle these weird nuances and these, these changes. Yeah,
0: absolutely. And that's why I said, and that's why start triage and and for pediatrics, jumpstart triage, uh, is a, an answer to that from the triage standpoint. So, start triage, like you had mentioned earlier, is a triaging system that is meant for disaster and mass casualty events. Um, It's very different than our normal triaging system, I think, in healthcare and in EMS, but it works on a small scale. You know, when we talk about like, you know, patients, you know, maybe there's only five or six patients, but that's enough to overwhelm our services. Or if you've got a, you know, 9-11, Boston Marathon, any of these kind of things, it's going to work for that as well. So I want to talk a little bit about what START Triage is. So START Triage stands for Simple Triage and Rapid Treatment. Okay, so it is a simple way of triaging in in some of these terrible events. And the reason I think we we, the reason we put these kind of things into play is because especially in a situation like that, I mean, when we think about true mass casualty disaster situation where our services are overwhelmed, our resources are overwhelmed, that in and of itself is terrifying and stressful. I mean, these are, we need a simple way to fall back on to be able to go through triage. Otherwise, we will completely get lost in the incident. Right. And if you're um, changing my thinking, hey, you
1: know, I'm, I'm used to treating the patient, taking care of everybody, right? And you want to change my whole mentality on scene in this disaster – you better make it pretty simple for me. It's just three steps or less. You know exactly. I mean, like, like yeah. Don't make it a, a fifteen-step plan because we're not going to keep track of that anyway, right? right? And
0: that's why we keep it simple. Exactly. So again, we have to realize that start triage is meant for triaging in these incidents, um, so that we can do the mentality is we want to do the most good, the sorry, the greatest good for the greatest number. Okay, that means that there will be people who we. Cannot and will not try even to save, which that's well, the hard part. But we can, and
1: that's what's tough, right? Like, sure, I think, oh, let, let, let's kind of put that in there good because point. we can. I can sit down with that person and with my skills probably stabilize them, but we won't because I need to be able to get to ten people over here, mm-hmm. and that's the toughest thing, right? Is right. you will find yourself knowing that you have the ability. To single that person out and treat them and, and handle them. The system can absolutely handle that one person. And this is where we, we do have to let some people go in order to do the greatest good for the
0: greatest number. Exactly, and That's what's just so – it feels backwards and it feels wrong. But, you know, it's – and that's why we have to understand the mentality behind it because I, I'll be honest. I can't imagine – walking into a mass casualty. I mean, I've done simulations. I mean, you know, I've done simulations together at some of our colleges where we tip a bus over and make a bunch of people injured. And, and we know it's simulated though, right? So I can't imagine actually walking up to someone who who I as a physician, I know I could save you if I had the time and resources, but I know that I don't. And I just have to say, hey, sorry. Like, right. you, you know what I mean? I mean, I can't imagine that, but it is what we have to do. and Because if we don't do that, we run the risk of, Um, losing so much more, right? Losing losing so so many many more patients that we could see. So again, the people who are going to, unfortunately, like I said, and this is such a change in mentality. We're used to finding this. We want to find the sickest person, the person with the greatest injury and we want to save them. But in this instance, we're going to try to save as many people we can, which means that most of the people who don't have serious injuries and don't are going to be saved. And and it goes back to resources, right? So if we over triage where we basically make everybody, critical patients everybody are everybody's immediate everybody's delayed nobody's minor we're going to run out of resources right we will run out of resources and we there will be people that we could have saved that we now are not going to be able to save because we ran out of resources and then the, that's usually what happens that that's usually in a, in, a, in a in a mass casualty incident if you look at you know Sandy Hook and and uh actually the Boston Marathon bombing was probably one of we we as I say we, but like we as an EMS community, as as a we we did a really good job. Like th- they were prepared for that, uh, which was awesome, and I can talk a little bit about that later. But um, but in some of these other ones, like over triage becomes the main issue because that's right. how we're trained to do. We're trained well, to help. we want to help people. So it's we're gonna a help good
1: everybody. thing. I mean, it means that we're empathetic, right? <laughs>
0: like right, Under yeah. triage
1: is the issue. We might be this like apathetic, terrible civilization, <laughs> right. right? Like it, there's nothing. I mean, there's like nothing
0: the, wrong quote unquote un, you know essentially under triage would be like you've you like like I don't a, care about any of these guys get up and walk well no I mean that, that you don't care <laughs> but like, but like I don't you don't really want to get to the end of an MCI incident and be like, man we got a bunch of stuff look how over. much we have
1: left over <laughs> like, and like all these people could we had have been all saved. this pain medication and
0: right. <laughs> <laughs> you got like five ambulances in a garage You're like right. man, I guess we could have transported oh, more shoot, like yeah I guess maybe, I shouldn't have
1: held these back just in case for right. a rainy day
0: you know and obviously they like said I, there's something that you can't do about either of those. but on the most part, we're going to make ish. We're going to make errors on the sides of over triage. And we just have to be very careful, which is why we use a system like start. Right. So start triage. Let's um, start talking about it. Let's start talking about start triage. I like that. Okay. So what you want to start talking about? It It was was a joke. (laughs) (laughs) What's the first step in start triage. So
1: we're going to walk in there and we're going to basically say, can anybody walk or wave your, your hand at me? And if they can do that, we know a couple things about them. They can follow commands. They can understand me. They can hear me. and They probably can walk. So these are the minimal, in this situation, minimal injuries, the minimalistic situation, right? These are the guys that are ready to go. The walking wounded, yeah. we call them, right? And in that situation, we're going to take care of them first. It's
0: literally, it's well, we're not going to say take care of them first. We're going to get them just, out of ready. the way.
1: So we're going to say, everyone right. get to me. And then usually we're going to load them up to an area and get them triage not treated yet but just get them to where they need Another to go triage. right we're, we're we're clearing out all the, the minor
0: stuff first right so those, those, that's the thing so we've got we've I should have probably said this first so there's there's four categories right so patients either marked as minor meaning that they're like I said, minor injuries delayed meaning that their treatment will be delayed immediate meaning that they need to be immediately treated and then expectant meaning that we're going to do nothing they're going to die they're
1: either already dead or they're it is untenable right right and we do that green yellow red black right correct so if you're more of like a green light red light kind of guy like me that's easy to remember right right? so we handle the greens first and when i say handle i don't mean treat i don't mean stabilize you triage 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 them first first. let's get them out of the way because likely there's more of them and we can kind of clear out a good number of the population then, and now there's less people to triage, right? It, it is a backwards way of looking at it. We usually are like, hey, let's concentrate on the serious stuff first. Exactly. But you have to figure we're on a clock. And I, I try to kind of remember this as we, we are losing all of these patients. You have to look at it that way. We are losing all of these patients. How fast are we, are we losing them? I wanna, ha- I wanna get the ones that are, are, I'm losing the slowest first. They're all they're all important. Right. I want to get the ones I'm losing the slowest first so that I can then pinpoint the, the serious ones and get to right. them and, and, and stop them from dying.
0: And right? the, and because, again, in this triage system, we're trying to do the greatest good for the greatest numbers. So there's, right. you know, statistically, there's going to be more people who are minorly injured than majorly injured. So we right. wanted So, again, so the first question is, can they walk right if they can walk They are minor. They're green tagged. Essentially, we usually use a tagging system. They're green tagged. They're minor. And a lot of times it's it's literally like it's like being like, hey, can you guys walk? Okay, get out of the way. You know, you send them to like a secondary. (laughs) Right. You send them to a secondary triage area where they can be triaged separately.
1: One little red flag like thing that we need to watch with that is that you can get you can get hemmed up in. At this point right now, and it can ruin your entire MCI. And one thing that we've learned from a lot of scenarios is keeping track of those patients is difficult. If you can walk, if you were at the Boston Marathon and I say, can you walk? And I'm like, great. Yeah, walk over there. You might go seek treatment on your own. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, is that is going to take a bed away from someone who needs treatment. So we do need to try to keep track of these people because they're at risk for jumping in their car, driving away and going to those hospitals on their own. And those hospitals are becoming overtaxed. So we do need to kind of and we together and hold them back, mm-hmm. if anything, and, and explain that to them. Wait, wait a minute. We're going to get to you. I promise we're going to get to you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But there's there's people that need this now. Right. So. I think sometimes like I've seen students come into these scenarios and they walk in and they're like, anyone walk? Cool. Like walk over there. And then I've had I've told like the the mock people to be like, just walk, try to walk away from the incident and stuff. See if these guys are paying attention, because this is something that can that can very much drastically. If you're a logistics officer, or you're a transport officer and you're trying to figure out I've got seven beds over here and I, at, at, you know, St. Joe's and I've got seven beds over at St. Pete's, you know five of those beds can be taken up by walking wounded if Mm -hmm. I'm not keeping
0: track of them and keeping them at the incident or at least. And it's also why, yeah, it's also why like from a hospital standpoint, we, so there's like the, there's the triage on the scene, right? Like we're going to triage these people on the scene and then there's going to be a treatment area on the scene as well. Right? So we have to kind of redo that again when you get to the hospital. Right? So Mm -hmm. like, so if we know like, so for instance, in the Boston marathon bombing, the first hospital and I don't remember exactly which hospital it was, but it may have been Mass General. But um, when they they found out about the incident by like one of their employees, like tweeted it and mm-hmm. that's how they found it. So they immediately set up their own triage a, a, a physician and a resident went out and basically started a new triage. So as because in the first two hours, most people like a lot of people showed up by private vehicle to be, mm-hmm. yeah. and, and you have to base it. The hospital too has to be like, no, we know that we're going to expect ambulances you to need come to with go like farther away. Red tech.
1: Yeah. 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 So, well, but that's the but thing yeah. is a lot of times. So like what we set up sometimes with, with like local government, fire departments and stuff like that is sometimes we try to set up for those green people. It's not that we're like concentrating on them or like putting too much resources into it, but sometimes we'll be like, cool, stay here. A bus is on its way, and it's going to take you 50 miles north of here to the farthest away hospital that I can think of that's not going to be taxed. And that way, those guys know, hey, I'm going to be treated and I'm going to be treated far away so that we can take the critical incident incident people or the critical people to the closer hospitals. You know what I mean? So there's nothing wrong with with kind of like buttoning that up right away. And that is more of an officer or like a leadership position, but it is a tactic that we might want to consider. What you might want to concentrate on as just a boots on the ground provider is keeping track of those greens and explaining to them, you know, those lower priority patients, hey, don't go by private vehicle to the hospital. Like, or if you're going to, we have a hospital designated for you, and it's a little bit farther away because we got to handle the
0: the serious. And that's people. actually that's what we did really. well. I say, I say we, I did, I had nothing to do with the you know Boston Marathon bombing, but I, when I say we, I mean as EMS providers, as EMS and emergency providers, we did a really good job with the Boston Marathon bombing. So the the on the scene team did a really excellent job of dispersing patients to all the hospitals in the area so that no one ever got overwhelmed. Mm-hmm when we didn't do a good job of it was oklahoma city bombing so in the oklahoma city bombing 202 patients were treated at one hospital with six other hospitals nearby not receiving any patients oh, at all. Oh, yeah. Right, so again, now, now you've run into, you talk about a disaster and, and overwhelming resources. It, it happened at the scene and then it happened at the hospital and, and there was, so again, that's that's where we, that's why the start triage is so important. So yeah, And this can be for
1: a lot of reasons, though, let's just remember that. It wasn't like the provider's faults or anything oh, like no, that. Like yeah, it, yeah. it could be, some of it could have been over triage. Some of it could have been people just jumping in their cars and taking a private vehicle and getting out of there. You know, some of it could have been miscommunication on the hospital's parts. You know,
0: there's, there's a lot going goes into that yeah absolutely no and that is that these are the things that we kind of have to take into consideration so from start triage so the first thing we're going to do is we're going to say hey can you walk if you walk you're tagged as minor or green all mm-hmm. right the second question we're going to ask we're going to look at their breathing okay so, so now we're going to go a patient at a time mm-hmm. that, yeah, that, that yeah, is yeah. the
1: thing and so now like it's just the closest one to you you're going to go to you're going to tag. You're going to move on. Right. And this is a team that is just designed there to tag. They're not going to do much treatment at all. They're not. They're assessing very minimally. You know what I mean? They're yeah. not taking people out right now. No. Typically, we'll have a crew go in, tag, 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 tag. And then later, a crew will come in and actually take them to the treatment area.
0: And that's a good point. So we should probably bring that up now, too. So there's you really have to, in these kind of incidents, stick with what you're tasked to do. So there should be a triaging team, which your job is only to triage. You're not doing anything else. You're not rescuing anyone. You're not treating anyone. You're not doing anything, but quickly and efficiently triaging everybody as fast as you can.
1: You're not even calling resources, right? No, hey, this right. person's trapped. Hey, someone like, let me nope. let the rescue team. It's just, it's just not your job right, right now. You have to compartmentalize. Right. And it's tough. So
0: you're triaging so that then the rescue team can come in and they can see where the red tags are and they're going to start. So you're starting with green, yellow, red. You know, they're starting with the immediates, right? Yeah. They're going to ignore the black tags. They're going to go right for the immediates. They're going to rescue the immediates. Once they have rescued all the immediates, they're going to come back in and rescue all the delayed. And obviously, they like said the minors have been like hopefully walked to a different yeah. secondary triage area. So, again, if, if you start, if you're if you're tasked with triage and you start rescuer treatment, then there's a bunch of people not getting triage, and they're not getting triage fast enough, which means the rescue team can't rescue them and they're going to die. Right. And that's again. So we have to stick with our tasks. So there's the triage team. We're going to triage and tag everybody. The rescue team comes in, rescues the reds first, then the yellows. And then there's the treatment team. So you're going to set up treatment areas. So the tr- usually two treatment areas. So one is that secondary treatment area that you sent all the greens to all the mm-hmm. miners to. They could do secondary triage there and then the treatment area that probably has more of the advanced resources to start treating the reds and then the yellows, the immediates and then the delays. Um, And then from there, you know, they'll get transported out. So, again, sticking with your role within these kind of incidents is so important, because as you can see, if you breach, if you go away from that. He said, you're going to you're going to run into issues. So
1: where we're at is I come in, I wave people down. Hey, you can walk. Come on to me. They get out of there. And then now I'm going person
0: by person, the closest person mm-hmm. starting that.
1: That's the easiest way to do it. Start with the closest person to you and just start tagging.
0: Right. So, so the way you do this is so the thing first thing you look at is breathing. Right. it's always the first thing we look at ABCs kind of thing. So are they breathing? If they're not breathing, you can attempt to position their airway. Just okay. position, just position. I'm not talking about you're not bagging them. You're not putting oxygen on them. You're just positions. So you're doing a jaw thrust or you're tilting their head. If they start breathing, they're red. If they start breathing on their own, mm-hmm. with just the position, but just right? the position, so I'm just you tag. All them. I'm doing is opening their airway. And if they start breathing on their own. Cool. Here's you a red. tag immediate and you walk away. You don't do anything else. That's it. Right. Right? So none of the this is not like then you move on to pulse. No, 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 no. Like you're done that 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 a person is obviously in critical condition. They are alive. There might be something we can do for them. They're immediate. They're red. You move on.
1: And I mean, this goes against. Right. You know, your 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 CPR training that you learned when you were a babysitter before you started EMT school. Mm -hmm. Right. So this is this is tough for us because we want to go in. Oh, I'm going to check breathing and pulse at the same Mm -hmm. time. You're not worrying about it. Just right open the airway. If they breathe on their own, tag them red,
0: move on. Right. If you position the airway and nothing happens, then they're expectant. You black tag them and you move on as well.
1: And remember that this is, So it happens very quickly, right? You're, you're like rushing through, Hey, I hit this guy, hit this guy. hit. It's not like we're like moseying from one guy and we're like, Oh, he's probably not going to make it on to the next one. You know what I mean? Like this, the reason why it's so simple too, is that we can do it very quickly then so that then you can, if you were the initial tag team, you're most likely going to be assigned to rescue or transporting them to those areas sooner anyway. Mm -hmm, Right. So mm -hmm. you'll, you'll get to them faster if you can triage them faster. Exactly. Exactly.
0: So if they are spontaneously breathing, on their own. Okay. You didn't you didn't have to position their airway, but they are spontaneously breathing. The next thing you're going to look at is their respiratory rate. Okay. And the only number to remember here is 30. So the start triages for adults, jump start triages for pediatrics, we will talk about next. But start triages for adults. So if they are spontaneously breathing on their own, you didn't have to do anything. You're going to look at their respiratory rate. If it's greater than 30, they're immediate, which is red pretty tag, fast, right? Right. I mean, greater than 30 is fast. 12 to 20 is normal. Mm-hmm. So 30 is fast. Right. If they're, if they're 22, then you can move on to the next step. If they're 29, you, if they're 30, if they're, th- if they're greater than 30, though, they get a red tag, immediate patient, and you move on again, all right? If the respiratory rate's less than 30, then we can move on to perfusion, right? So we're still kind of doing an ABC thing here. We're just stopping if we run into anything. The next thing is perfusion. So there's two things we're looking for in perfusion. We're looking at their radial pulse, and we're looking at their capillary refill. That's it. We're not getting the blood pressure. We're not listening to their heart. We're not checking like multiple pulses. You know what I mean? Like you're not talking to karate. We're checking a radial. And that's actually kind of something that like is a little bit nuanced here a little bit too. Like we're checking a radial pulse because if they have a radial pulse, it means they're getting distal perfusion. Right. Which means that they're more viable, right? Right. Typically in in CPR and stuff, we check a carotid pulse because that's the one that like. Closest to the core. It's the last bastion,
1: right? Right. Now we're checking the first one to see, hey, is blood shunting to the core? I'll lose my radial pulse first, then my Mm -hmm. brachial, then my carotid. So we want to see if it's best case scenario. Hey, do they have a radial?
0: Right. (sighs) If they do not have a radial pulse. Obviously, they're going to be immediate. All right. They're going to be red tagged immediate. And they're that doesn't mean that they don't
1: cal- have a pulse. Remember, so they could have a they could have a carotid pulse. We're not checking it. Right. But they don't have a radial. Right. So that
0: tells us. And they're it's, breathing. It's serious. They're they're decompensating. Right. They're decompensating. And that's and that's they give, but that's red. why they get immediate. Right. right. If they're or if their cap refills less than two seconds. Right. So if they don't have a radial pulse or their cap refills less than two seconds, that's a sign of inadequate perfusion. We're going to immediate tag them with red. If they do have a radial pulse. And their capillary refill is greater than two seconds. Sorry, less than two seconds. Capillary refill. We're
1: talking about squeezing the finger and seeing how long it takes for color to to flush back. Just to take it back to
0: basics for those of you who might not remember. Exactly. Then we're going to look at their mental status. All right. And the only thing we're going to do is can they obey commands? So if you're like, hey, squeeze my hand. If they can do that, then they're delayed. They're yellow. If they can't do that, then they're red. Yeah. Okay. That's it. That's And the like whole be, thing. be
1: fair with the command. If they don't have a hand, don't be like show me two fingers on your hand. Oh, you can't follow the command. Immediately. You're done.
0: That's overtreating. Right. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Right. So again, so it's very, very simple, but you can see how if you, if you put yourself in those kind of shoes in this kind, like also so different than what we would typically yeah. do in any other situation, right? right? So quick review.
1: You do the quick review. Yeah. So a couple things. When we talk about tagging a patient, we are using probably pre-made tags, like little necklaces that we can put around the neck of the patient. And then we usually rip off the colors that they're not. And it leaves them with the color that they are. Uh A lot of times there's like a double color thing that we can pull so that I can eventually come back with all my tags, like all my receipts basically from these patients and hand that to a triage officer who can then say, Oh, okay, I've got, I've got seven greens that are walking over here. I've got four reds and I've got two yellows, right? So they can keep track and then they can have a little bit of uh uh, quality assurance there, right? <laughs> right, yeah. to, to know that they've got everybody where they need to, and then they can keep track. And they track, can plan right?
0: too. Like if you show up to Health the logistics. treatment, yeah. If you go, show up to the treatment area, and I see that you've got twenty red tags, and I, I got to see how I'm going to allocate my resources and that sort of thing. Yeah. So, so this yeah. can
1: be done with these fancy tags that have like this little receipt thing you pull off of them, or it can be done simply with like we have like ribbon paper that we take with us, but we like we'll just tie a little piece of ribbon paper around your wrist and then move on from there. But always make sure that you rip off a little bit of that, put it in your pocket, so that you can show that triage officer eventually, hey, I have this many reds, this many yellows, this many greens, this many blacks. Right. So you can kind of, mm-hmm. again, get that those logistics going early. So I walk in. I, I say, hey, can anyone walk? If they can walk, they're coming to me. They're tagged as green and they're going to they're go on their own over to the treatment area. Probably a separately placed mm-hmm. treatment area from the reds and yellows. Next, I'm going to go to the first person I bump into. When I bump into them, I'm going to first check. Are they breathing? If they're not breathing, I'm going to try to open their airway up. If they breathe after that, I tag them red, I move on, right? Yep. Means that they're, means that they're able to compensate after some positioning, right? But it's serious because they don't breathe on their own unless there's positioning. If they are breathing when I first get to them, then I'm going to say, okay, are they breathing higher than 30 or less than 30 times a minute? If it's higher than 30 times a minute, that's fast. It means they're, they're probably going to be crashing here soon. Here's a red tag. I move on. If they are less than 30, now I can move on to a pulse, right? So if they're 29 or less, I can check for a pulse. I check for a radial pulse, not the last bastion, the first bastion to see if they've got peripheral perfusion, right? And if I don't feel a pulse, they get tagged red. If I do feel a pulse... I check mental status mm-hmm. and cap refill with a part of that as well. Yes. Yeah. Cap refill too. Um, so we want not only a pulse, but also cap refill of less than two seconds. It just means they have good distal perfusion. Like mm-hmm. you were saying, now I want to check mental status. Hey, show me two fingers or how many quarters are in a dollar? Or can you squeeze my hand? Really following commands, it's is the best commands way, right? More, yeah. Yeah, so, yeah. so Hey, squeeze my hand, something like that. Something that they can do. Wiggle your toes. If they can do that. They get a yellow cause they can follow commands. Mm-hmm. If they can't do that they get a red right
0: exactly and that's it so again a simple triage and rapid treatment you know protocol basically here triage system for disasters and mci again very simple very straightforward but obviously difficult in the sense that you have to be able to make that decision um to triage in that way Mm -hmm. and i actually you know as i'm speaking on it now like i wonder like what's harder is to follow start triage when you've been told to start follow triage or be the guy who shows up in an event and says, you know what? We're going to have to follow start triage here. Yeah. Right. Like to make that call, decision. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Especially again, when local reinforce. Resources, Or, you know, if you're if even where we are right now, if you're 30 miles north of there, you're you're talking rural farmland Right. who are overwhelmed by things that my department would be able to handle because we have multiple rigs that are constantly in the city. They've Mm -hmm. got paid on call guys that are coming, you know, from far away. They might only have one ambulance. So something that that's where it's going to be the toughest, right? Mm -hmm. Something that can normally be handled in an intercity department versus we can't handle it out here. I've got to decide to switch to this life or limb situation. Right, right. You know, it's it's tough, yeah, right? Exactly. Making that That's a call, hard decision that would, be but it, a- it's important, and it does save life. That is the most important decision most right. of the time that that affects the most amount of lives and saves the most amount of lives. We didn't talk about black tags yet, so I would like you to just kind of mention what a black tag is. So, black tag is that the it was the, the expectant essentially. Right. So that means that they are dead. So if I show up and they are not breathing and I open their airway and they're still not breathing, then they get black. They tag. get black tag. Right. Yeah. So if that they would, if they, red
0: they red don't, red red don't red red meet red the criteria for red tag, they get black tag. And the big thing here that goes against what we normally do is like this person, we're not going to check, but this person could have a pulse. Yes. Right. This person could have a crowded pulse. And normally we'd be like, OK, we got to start CPR. Well, well no,
1: they're not, alive right that. now and we cannot afford because it needs to go to other people. We cannot afford to sink resuscitative efforts into them. Right. So they are not going to make it past yeah. this incident. And that's, that's why tough.
0: we don't even check. Right. We don't even check because right. we just there's nothing we could do, even if, you know, so we don't even check we, if they're breathing, if they're not breathing, excuse me, and we position the airway, and they're still not breathing. We don't even check a pulse. They're expectant. We give them a black tag. Yeah? Right. It's is, is tough
1: to hear. And for some of our listeners who maybe aren't like deep into the medical field, like this might be really surprising to you, but you do need to understand like if Chris was down and I, I came in, I'm the triage guy and I come in and he's not breathing. I reposition his airway. He doesn't start breathing. So I can't tag him red. So I tag him black. If instead I was like, you know what? No, I really, I need to check him. And I checked for a pulse. He doesn't have a pulse. I start doing CPR. How long am I going to do CPR for what resources am I going to spend? And then all of these other patients aren't getting tagged right. and all of these other patients are getting more and more critical. And the time is ticking and these people are dying now mm-hmm. because I got caught up and got tunnel vision on one person. It's, it's a tough decision to make
0: it's a tough situation to be in, mm-hmm. but you have to be able to do it. It's what you're called to do. Right. Out there. Right. And the other thing too, is is keep in mind that none of this has anything to do with like signs of trauma or injury. Right. Like if you have a, a, you know, piece of pipe coming out of your abdomen but you're breathing and your respiratory rate is less than 30 and you have a pulse and you're following commands. You're yellow. You're yellow. Yeah. People are getting treated before you, which so that, that does then bring us to the whole idea of retriage. Right? So obviously we are going to have to retriage people as they move, as we respond and that sort of thing. So someone who was red, who now is no longer breathing by the time I get to them and I position their airway and they're still not breathing they're not black, right? Like we're not, we're not just because they were red before. Now they're black or someone who was yellow, but had a pipe in them. And now they're, They don't have a radial pulse anymore. Okay, well, now they're red. They're not yellow. So we have to there is some retriage that has to happen
1: at the triage station, usually right after rescue comes in and pulls them there. Now we're going to retriage in the same way that in the field we reassess constantly to Mm -hmm. see how someone's doing. Right. It's the same thing. Right. You're really just reassessing the patient. And if they don't meet the criteria, we can't spend the resources on them because we have limited resources.
0: So the rescue team may do some short reassessment for people who are now expectant, but they shouldn't necessarily I agree with kind of what you're saying. Like the rescue team really should come in, see the tag, move the red patients first. And then at the treatment area, we can kind of re-just like I said, that at the hospital too. It's kind of like that treatment area. We're gonna reassess and re-triage Based on how things have evolved because things are going to change. Right. So and and you know what? It's not necessarily this sinking feeling. If I if I showed up at
1: an incident as a yellow. Right. And they took me to the triage area. And then you're sitting there and you say, "Okay, I'm going to check a couple things. And then you go, I want you to scoot down to the red. (laughs) That doesn't that shouldn't necessarily terrify me. What that should tell me is, hey. I just went up, and I might I might be more serious, but I just went up in priority. They're going to give me some treatment faster over right, here, right? right? So it it's appropriate. It's not like we're like you're a lost cause. Head on down the line. Like that's not what we're doing. No, we're right. getting people who need the
0: serious treatment first. The first treatment. Well, and again, it's only – and the only patients who are who we're doing nothing for are the expectant patients, yeah. right? So, we're, the other patients, we're, it's, it's a matter of who we're doing stuff for first, right? right? So, we're going to do stuff for the red patients, the immediate patients first before the delayed yellow patients, before the minor patients yeah. in terms of resources. It's not like you show up to the treatment area and they're like, oh – you don't look so good. Things are changing. Here's a black tag. Go sit over there. <laughs> yeah. Like you're awake. I mean, like yeah. this is the only people who are not breathing. And if, if we hear someone like from
1: the from the black area, be like, hello, you know, they're not going to stay in the black area, right? You're like no, you're already tagged black. <laughs> Sorry, you can't. Yeah, we're gonna upgrade them too. Yeah, so. you,
0: can't, you can't get upgraded once you're black. So if you're so,
1: a- what's the big difference between jump start and start triage? just my understanding that we just
0: jump? In children, we're going to do the same thing. So the first thing, again, we're going to say, can you walk? If, they, if the children can walk, they're going to go over to a secondary triage area. Now, if they're not at walking age, um, this, this becomes a little bit difficulty. So if they're not in walking age, we're just going to assess infants first which just kind of makes sense right yeah. of course we are we're going to assess infants first so just keep that in mind but if they if they're if they're not walking just like with adults we're going to assess breathing first if they are not breathing we're going to position the airway just like we did in adults if they start breathing with that then they're marked as immediate they're given right. a red tag mm-hmm. and we move on if they're not breathing after we position the airway we're actually not done this is the difference in jump start we're allowed to palpate a pulse now okay and remember, we said in adults, we're not going to palpate a pulse because we're not going to do CPR in these, on these adult patients yeah. at all. It doesn't matter. And in kids, we're not going to either. If they don't have a pulse. We mark them as expectant or deceased, and we and we black tag it and move on. Mm -hmm. If they do have a pulse, we position the airway. They're still not breathing, but they do have a pulse. We can give five rescue breaths, just breathing, no compressions, nothing like that, just breathing, because they're going to
1: respond to that. That might start their heart. You know, well, no, 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 I'm not not saying start their heart back up, but it might start their heart going in the right direction just from the breath. The
0: oxygenation might
1: kick their heart rate back up and might cause them to start spontaneously spontaneously breathing. Correct. Yes,
0: exactly. So if we give five rescue breaths and they start spontaneously breathing then we mark them as red immediate and we move on if they if after five rescue breaths they don't start spontaneously breathing we mark them as expecting or deceased yeah. now so this big, is hard yeah. because we did check a pulse so we know this kid has a pulse we give Sometimes, five rescue yeah. breaths and still no good still I mean, no good yeah. And then we have to leave that kid and that yeah. that i think might be one of like probably the hardest part of of start triage because yeah. in the adults you're not even checking for a pulse right in a kid you're checking for a pulse if they don't have one well then they're dead and yeah you're acutely as, aware that with more resources oh man yeah you if could've. you could do cpr on this kid he might survive but you're not going to so yeah. that's that's uh that's hard so that's the biggest difference with jumpstart is that we're allowing for these extra airway interventions, these mm-hmm. five rescue breaths, essentially. Right. Yeah. And for allowing to check for a pulse. Now, obviously, if they are breathing, we're going to go on a respiratory rate in kids. It's going to be if it's less than 15 or greater than 45 breaths per minute. Then they're going to be marked red or immediate. So we we change our 30 number. Now it's 45 on the high side, 15 on the low side. Exactly. And then if they are breathing within that range, which is normal, 15 to 45, we're going to check a pulse a radial pulse and cap refill, right? If they don't have a radial par- pulse, excuse me, or their cap refill is less, uh, greater than two seconds, they're going to be red or immediate, just like in an adults. And then we're going to check if they do have those things, we're going to check mentation, which in kids, we're going to use the AVPU, right? Are they alert? alert? verbal,
1: painful, or unresponsive. Exactly. Are right? they
0: alert? Do they respond to verbal stimuli, painful stimuli, or are they unresponsive? So if they uh, if they are any of those except unresponsive, they get marked as delayed. Okay. Or yellow. And that's basically, so that's the big difference is jumpstart is that we're going to basically that, that airway intervention piece. We're allowed to give those five rest.
1: Sounds like the big differences. Yeah. Are, are if they're not breathing, I position their airway. They're not breathing on their own. Normally I tag them red as an adult, but now I'm going to jump in. I'm going to do five breaths and then continue to assess. Right. And then if they, if they are breathing, now I'm just changing my rate definition, right? It's not the 30, it's not greater or less than 30,
0: it's gonna be greater than 45 and less than 15. Exactly, exactly. So, so hopefully this was a good review of kind of start and jumpstart triage. Um, if you guys just, even he said, if this sounds like kind of confusing, if you just Google start triage or jumpstart triage, you can see this kind of written out in a nice algorithm. Uh, very straightforward and simple, but obviously some nuances, right? Very difficult to make this decision, um, but it is something that we have to be prepared to do as emergency providers. It's gonna save a lot of lives. Absolutely. So again, today's sponsor is American CME. This lecture next month, uh, this podcast next month will be available on their website for uh, CME credits. Um, the lectures that podcast we did last week or and I guess last month are on there uh, hopefully soon. So check that out to get some continuing education credits if you're an EMS. Thank you guys for listening and we will see you next time. Stay sweet. Hey guys, hope you enjoyed the episode.
1: If you're an EMT or medic student or an advanced EMT student or an instructor of those Students, we have a program just for you. With Sights and Sirens NREMT prep program, you get video lectures over 15 hours of really vetted, great content to help you through your program and help you prepare for the test. Check it out at www.sightsandsirens.com.